see how much room I got to walk around. Okay. We're good. But it's good to see everybody. Hopefully you had a good start and have had a beginning, beginnings of a very happy new year. Amen. Hallelujah. You have the beginnings of a happy new year? Hopefully you have. Good. Because uh, I'm excited uh, as far as what God has in store, not just for tonight, but what God has in store for us. And um, looking to him because we all know that his kingdom, in his kingdom, there isn't any of this activity going on, negative activity going on, toxic activity, the kingdom of God. A lot of times when I get in discussions with people, I tell them the kingdom I operate out of isn't in a pandemic. It isn't in a pandemic. Now, that doesn't mean, folks, I want to clarify something here, because you may think, well, this guy is like in denial, he's like way out there or whatever. No, it helps me keep my focus on where it needs to be. It needs to be focused on him. One of, my, one of my life scripture during this time has been, I will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. You don't know. Lord only knows how many times I've quoted that in the last 10 months. He will keep you in perfect peace. Perfect peace is not the state of perfection. It is a level of maturity. So that when that peace comes upon me, it helps me to think clearly. It knows how, it, it helps me to shut up quietly when I need to keep quiet. And it lets me know when to speak when I need to speak. But he will keep me in that peace, that place of shalom that place of wholeness and completeness in him. And, and these are the things that you, we have to be anchored in. Especially, I mean, how many people have gone through disappointment? I mean, massive disappointment in the last 10 months. How many people have had their emotions go from here and then way down here and then way back up here and way down here? That's where I've been. How many people have allowed the, the information that we've gathered in to steal things from us that we had no intention of ever letting it steal from us? Right here, man. How many, how many in here that have had to recalibrate their heart and mind before God and get it back on center again? Because we've been so off-center at times. We've, we've been so overwhelmed and fear has literally... I, I, there are times in this last month, 10 months where I felt fear come this way and up from this way. And I had to just step back and say, whoa, God, hang on a minute. You will keep them in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on him. I had to recalibrate. We've all been there, man. They've all been there. How many feel that this last 10 months has never been like any 10 months in your entire life? <laughs> I've gone too little too far. It's pulling me back. All right, right here, man. Gosh. But guess what? You know who's always stayed on plumb? You know who's always stayed on course? That's the Spirit of the Lord has, always. Never moved by that. He flows from that kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, which is a different realm. 
It's a different dimension. People think like heaven is just going to come and appear one day in time. There is no time in heaven. When heaven on earth is here in its, in its eternal state as far as beyond this flesh, it is beyond time and it knows no time. And it, it is, it's, it's another dimension. And it's not relegated by time or circumstances on the earth. I'm constantly reminded of the scriptures that the Lord gave me personally at the, at the beginning of all this stuff that was happening back in March 2020, when it all just kind of broke out on the scene. And, and he gave me two scriptures. There are both Old Testament scriptures, Old Testament incidences, and the first time we were able to come back and uh, gather together as a, as a church which I think was back in October, right? I think it was the first week in October that they let churches gather again. And, and I remember sharing that with the people that were there at that service. And you know what? I hold true to those same scriptures even to today. I continually remind me that Jesus Christ, out of Daniel, Jesus Christ is the answer to the king's problem. He's the answer to the king's problem. It's not my problem. Jesus is the answer to it. He then, I, I then went to uh, 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 scriptures in, in Exodus where, where God began to, to speak to, um, to Pharaoh at the beginnings of let my people go. And he says, Pharaoh, I tell you these things so that you may know that I am the Lord. In other words, what was the name that God gave Moses to tell the people? Tell, who, who should I tell sent you me? I am. In other words, don't run that together. That you, these things are being done to you, Pharaoh, so that I, you may know that I am is the Lord. I am is the Lord. I am whatever you need. In other words, everything that God did for Pharaoh was to get him to recognize the lordship of God. It wasn't meant, purposed in, his heart, in God's loving heart, to harden his heart. What Pharaoh did out of his own free will is he allowed that to harden his heart. It was meant to break his heart of stone and give him more of a heart of flesh. Could have went either way on that with him. I still hold to the fact that when Daniel was, was, was speaking to King Nebuchadnezzar, he said this. He says, I'm here to let you know that there is a God that rules in the affairs of men. He, he lifts people up and he takes people down. And he puts the basest or the most humblest of people in the leadership of men. Folks, the scenario of mankind on the earth is not done yet. God is writing all the chapters in the book. Okay? And what may seem like a, a setback, may seem like defeat, may seem 
like the direct opposite of what we believe should be happening right now. <laughs> trust me on this one. And don't trust me. He's in control of it all. That's where we have to settle our heart if we really believe that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. We have to be there. That's where we have to live, folks. We got no other option. I got no other option. You can't put your trust in me. I can't put my trust in you. We could trust one another as far as the Christ that's in each other. But our, our focus and our trust has to be unequivocally in the person of Jesus Christ. And there are mysteries in all of this that's going on that we don't understand. But we can remain confident and true in this that he is Lord. Amen. How I'm going to take up an offering after that, I don't know. But folks, I want your hearts to be moved by the love of God. The true generosity, true Holy Spirit generosity comes out of a heart of love. How do I know that? Because that's the heart of God. God so loved the world that he gave. Gave is an expression of generosity and it's an expression of love. You're giving away from yourself. Love's, love desires to give at the expense of self. Lost desires to get at the expense of others. The love of God in true, extravagant, spiritual generosity is born out of a heart of love. Your giving to this church is born out of the love that you have for what comes out of this church and the people that are around you, okay? And the family that we're able to gather together. And that's why we do it. We have opportunities to give in our life, a plethora of opportunities and responsibilities, as the Scripture tells us. This is one of them, okay? One of them is benevolence giving, giving to the needy. That has to come out of a heart of love, okay? And uh, in my next volume of this book, I get into the culture of what I call liberality, which is nothing more than generosity, okay? I talk about a culture of thanksgiving in my next volume of this book, okay? There's two other volumes coming out of this book. There will be roughly around 24 core values of the kingdom that I get in depth on. They're not comprehensive. They are, they are written so that you can dive in, study for yourself, and begin to allow the Holy Spirit to cultivate in you where you are at within that culture. There's a lot of questions to evaluate yourself by. It is it's a great book for small groups, self-study. It is what I call, in its three complete volumes, more like a textbook than it is a, a, re, a read, okay? It's like a textbook to helping you to mature as a Christian. Lots of scripture in it, gives you opportunity to look them up, places in there to write your revelation, your inspiration. I encourage you to do it. I mean, it's what I'm doing now in this next season of my life, okay? So we're going to give of our, our generosity to generation one. I'm all over the map right now. I need to focus here a little bit. Okay. All right, so why don't we stand together? And uh, do we have, uh, yeah, there we go. We have a declaration we can make, okay? So here we go. As we receive today's offering, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, 
raises and bonuses, benefits and sales and commissions, favorable settlements and interest and income, rebates and return, checks in the mail, gifts and surprises, finding money, debts paid off, expenses in decrease, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all of my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give into the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Bless the Lord. Sir, right here. Your, your friend there. Here, why don't you guys give, I, you know, I don't know, but let him have that. I met him when I first came in, and we had a, a very cordial conversation. I just want to bless him with that book. Praise the Lord. All right, so today uh, I'm going to continue. I'm, uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for your generosity and your gifts of love to Generation One. Amen. Praise God. So I, I, I want to follow suit to what Drew had asked me to do, and that is to continue in a, uh, a series that he started in... Um, Living the kingdom in unstable times, okay? And, and you know, there's a, a few scriptures in the New Covenant, in the New Testament, I should say, in the New Testament, uh, like in Thessalonians and in Timothy. You know, specifically in Timothy, he talks about, you know, uh, know you in the last days perilous times shall come. And it begins to tell you what the atmosphere is going to be about. I, I don't want to get into all that because I think people know that at any time through the history of mankind, since that was, letter was written from, from Paul to, to Timothy, one of his mentors, that people identified that particular scripture with the times they were living in. Okay, I mean, you could go through history and say, oh, that was a perilous time, 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 and, and say, oh, yeah, the, those kind of people are living right now, those kind of people. But, but, you know, the bottom line is, is this, is that he identified that, and then he began to speak to, to, to Timothy especially, because when you get through all that and when you get down into the very bottom part of him concluding that thought with Timothy, he says this to them. Bottom line is this, Timothy, study to show yourself approved of unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed. We are Christians that don't need to be ashamed of what we believe today. We may have said things in our exuberance. We may have quoted things, said things that that may have, we may have had to recant, maybe even during this time, because we made some things what we felt were bold uh, uh, statements under the anointing of God. Don't be ashamed of that. But rather this, I applaud you for taking the courage to speak out and say something, okay, to encourage one another. And, and see, the, the thing that is, God doesn't judge us by that. He doesn't judge us according to the flesh. But he judges us or he sees us according to his redemption through Jesus Christ. The book of Corinthians tells me that, okay? And so don't ever, 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 ever let anybody define you by what you've done in the natural, okay? What you've done in the natural. In other words, things that you've done that were mistakes, 
things like, like you did prior to Christ and people want to drag up, stick it in your face and say, that's who you are. That is not your identity. Your identity is in Christ. And it's out of being in Christ that we are going to be able to weather any storm that comes. Not just this one, anyone that comes. We happen to be all in this particular storm together. It's all affecting us pretty much in the same way. Now, yeah, if we break it down, we'll see how certain people were, were, were affected differently by it. Somewhat, but we're all in this thing together, man. And, and the, we, we, I'll be the first to tell you, man, I did some real, I allowed, I allowed fear, I'll call it for what it is, I allowed fear to come in and begin to formulate my thinking and my reactions and my responses. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to be flat out honest with you. Got me into trouble. That I'm trying to, I have to now work on mending. Okay? And that's why we have to stay focused on him. We, 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 can't, we can't go off half cocked. Because to tell you the truth in the spirit, in the realm, and with, with God, there's a method to all this that we don't know. We may not be tapped into it. And if some people do, then that, you know, I'd like to hear your thoughts on that. You know? And I'm not saying you're wrong, but you know what I mean? We're not going to get into a, a right or wrong on it. And so I, I, I pondered this because we're talking about how to live from a kingdom perspective in an unstable time. And I know, Drew, he touched on walking in the fruit of the Spirit and walking in the gifts of the Spirit. Working and, and walking in those, you know, those two things, complementing one another together. And, and in the New Testament, it tells us to do four things re, in, with regard to the Spirit. It tells us to be filled with the Spirit, to live in the Spirit, to walk in the Spirit, and to be led by the Spirit. Okay? And, and then obviously the, the, those are... The nine, when it talks about the nine fruit of the Spirit, it talks about love, joy, peace, right on down through all nine of them. And then the gifts of the Spirit that operate through us, okay? And together, it helps us to, to become a person who's going to be impactful, relevant, and be somebody who can, can really bring a solution into people's lives that are having a hard time managing through this time, through the unstable time. I mean, how many in this room know of people that, that, that this thing is really s send them for a loop? I, I mean, it's all, it, you know, that it's really, really caused them to just almost lose their mind. I think we've all come in, not so much come in contact, but there may be some people that are close to us that that's done to I know this is dri it's driven a lot of wedges in people's relationships, right? Okay? And, 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 and see, that is why we, we, we need to be so focused on Christ because the, that's the last thing that God wants us to do as believers in an unstable time. He wants us to be 
rocks. He wants us to be towers of refuge. He wants to be, us to be people of safety and, and people that, uh, that people can come up to and talk to, okay, and be a part of. And, and, and the thing of it is, no matter, no matter if it's a personal unstable time or whether in an unstable time like this, the biggest thing that's out there is the T word, tension. A lot of tension. A lot of tension in life. Uh, but I look back at Jesus, and here was a guy that was, like every day he got up and his life was tense. He was, he was in tension. There were people that loved him, that hated him, wanted to kill him, wanted to make him king, wanted to do all kinds of things with him. He was being pulled left and right. Come to my house, Jesus. No, come to my house, Jesus. Jesus, help me. Son of David, please heal me. You know, and, and, and all this kind of stuff. You know, that was going on. Being pulled, 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 pulled. And then he had 12 guys. He was trying to, to make sure he was pouring the stuff into them that they were going to need to carry this whole thing on. And, you know, one guy wants to call down fire from heaven on him. Uh, you know, these zealots uh, that were, these guys were just like, they were political zealots, those two guys. They were part of the political groups of people that wanted to get together to overthrow Rome. And then, you know, they, got, they really quickly hooked up with Jesus when they found out, man, this guy's talking like nobody else talks. We need to hook up with him. Well, before they could hook up with him, Jesus hooked up with them. And he called them, he called them out and made them one of their disciples. And they gladly did it because somewhere deep down in their heart, I really believe they thought he was going to be the guy to overthrow Rome. But he wasn't. He wasn't there to overthrow Rome. He was there to overthrow the... He was there to overthrow the power that empowered Rome. Forget Rome. I'm going after the, the one that's empowering Rome. I'm going to defeat him. Okay? And he did. He defeated him. He defeated the devil, right? Yeah, the spirits of, of, of evil. He defeated it. And so, tensions we live in. Here's only a few. The tensions we live in as believers between what we experience and what we know to be true. How many have ever been there? Ever been ever really been pulled on that one? Well, God, you said you'd do this, and the direct opposite happened. Wow. How is that? You know, and all these things are done to, once again, to find out if our heart is still going to stay on true. If our heart is on true. Are we in this for what we get, or are we in this for who we is? I've got to keep my heart on true, man. I've been doing this for 48 years, folks. 48 years. I I got saved when I was uh, 19 years old. Fresh out of, well, I'd been out of high school for two years. Okay? And and I got touched by the power of God. And I I could still remember it vividly like it happened yesterday. And... I, at that moment, committed my life to Jesus Christ. I've had my moments in those 48 years, but I've always been in pursuit of his heart. He knows that. Always been in pursuit of his heart. Still am. I still desire to grow and mature in him. 
even after 48 years. I haven't come to the place where I know it all. I know some things, but I don't know it all. Okay? Made my share of mistakes. Made my share of mistakes. And Mary will attest to that. Mary's known me since what? Early 1980s, right? Yeah. And, and so, in that, folks, I've had to come and to realize, like Paul, it's just, it's just like, it's in him I move and live and have my very being. That's all I can say, man. I, I am, you see, some people live out of their politics. How many people know people that just live out of their politics? Holy mackerel. We've probably all ran into some of those people, right? I don't care if it's right wing, left wing, in between wing, politics, okay? They live out of their politics. How many know people that live out of their sports teams? Wow, you've run into those people, right? They live vicariously out of their, their sports teams. Well, I'm here to tell you, I live out of the Lord, my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how I live my life. That's how I do it. My, my Christian walk, well, it wouldn't be a walk if it was a drawer, okay? My, Christi- my Christianity is my life, okay? It's involved in everything I do, everything, decision I make, what I, how I see the world. Okay? That's how I see the world, is through that. It's not a drawer I pull out once a week, twice a week, or when it's convenient. If you call it a drawer in my life, it's always open, and I'm always in it. And to matter of fact, it's the only drawer I have in the dresser. Okay? That's just who I am. So if you were to sit down with me, we will talk about things. I mean, I mean I'm not so, so in this that I can't talk about other things. But we will eventually, if we talk long enough, get into a discussion that surrounds it. And people that know me, they know that about me. Whether they're in Christ, in the body of Christ, or outside the body of Christ. I have had some people that weren't even professing Christians and people that would, would not declare to be professing Christians come to my character defense when they were told things about me and they would say, wait a minute, are you talking about Tony Mancina? They go, yeah. They would look at, he's, this one guy told me this once. He said, you know what? I'll tell you what. If you're talking about him, you're lying. That is absolutely not him. I wouldn't believe it for a minute that he would do something or say something like that. So it's not, I'm not here to toot my horn. I'm here to say to the, to the depths of us being sold out that we have to be. I mean, now you may say, your life must have been boring. No, it wasn't. It wasn't boring. It's never boring. In the, in, in the words of a good friend of mine, Steve Upshur, never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. Never a dull moment. There's always an opportunity to get involved with what God's doing in somebody's life 
if we just open up to it. And, these, and tell you the truth, folks, this is a really opportune time. An opportune time. Okay, let's move on. So we want to talk about this foundation that we have. And, I, and I'm really, I'm not going to really be pulling stuff out of stuff that we don't really know. And that is, how do I live the kingdom in an unstable time? Well, what Jesus talked about, listen, let, let, let's talk about foundation of your life. He says, he that hears my word and does them, I will liken him unto a man who builds his house on a rock. So that when, it's not if, it's so that when. Not if, but so that when the storm comes and beats vehemently against that house, it will not be shaken. Folks, this is one of those times where the storm is beaten vehemently against the house. You, you and I have to build. I had a conversation with somebody that's really close to me, and, and we got talking about end times and things like that, and, I, and I, I basically said this to him. You know, if people think for a moment that they're just going to flip the switch on at the last moment and they're going to be able to make this, this death or life decision, they got another thing coming. Come on, folks. Look around some of your Christian friends that you may have thought were stable, and what has this done to them? Man, it knocked them right off their square that they were on. This is something we have to build and build in, in maturing and growing. I've dedicated my Christian ministry to helping the body of Christ grow and mature into him, to become the body that can hold the head, to, to be people that can come into conformity to the image and likeness of Jesus Christ, to be the best, best version of Jesus you can be to the earth at the moment you're in right now. You are not going to muster up the goods. And people think persecution, that the persecution that we're going to get is somebody just holding a 45 up to our head saying, be ashamed, deny Christ, or I'm going to pull the trigger. Folks, you and I are engaged constantly with things that will persecute us that are far less than that. And Jesus is saying, you can endure that. When, when you get ridiculed, when you get... Uh, Humi hum when you get hu hum humi humiliated, there you go. Okay, I'm tr trying to get that word out. Uh, you get humiliated. When you get shouted down. When you get rejected. When you, when you get uh, shouted down to the point where you put that tail between your legs and we cower away. Those are persecutions, folks. It's not just the 45 to their head or whatever it would be that you're, you're going to make a stand. It says this in Timothy in that whole dissertation on in perilous times. In the middle of all that, he says, to everyone that will live godly in Christ Jesus. See, the church doesn't want to hear this. They don't want to hear this. If you're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, you and I are going to get persecuted for that. You and I are going to get persecuted for that. So we have to build within us 
a, a, uh, a discernment and a relationship with Jesus so that we can discern whether we are compromising or we are adapting to what we need to do. And it's very difficult at times to discern. You know, we, during the church, the churches, the different various cell groups that would meet all over the United States had a big challenge. And that is, they not only told us you couldn't meet, but when they told us you could meet, they were trying to tell you how to do it. And some people got a lot of ridicule because they said they weren't. I'm not here to judge whatever people did, but they, they, have, to, they have to be on their square in order to know what Jesus is requiring of them at that moment. And, and we have to do it because it's not just something I'm going gonna, I'm gonna snub, to snub the authorities above me or anything other than it's a strong conviction because I've got to be willing to ride this thing out. And some of them wrote it out. And you know what? Jesus is there to back us when we feel we have to make a stand. And it can't be just an emotional stand. It has to be something that's born out of what's locked on the rock. And folks, that doesn't happen by just saying one day, okay, I guess I'll do that. We build foundation in our life so that when the storm beats vehemently against it, the house isn't shaken. We're not even talking about the house falling. He's saying your house won't even be shaken. And my house won't be shaken. So we have to embrace who are, we are becoming and pick it up every single day. We have to be assured in our identity. I've got to be assured in my identity, who I am in Christ. I can't let anything or anyone move me off that. And folks, I'm going to tell you what, you may lose some friends over that because they just don't agree with that. And it's a shame that you would lose Christian brothers and sisters as friends because they don't necessarily believe that you have that type of identity. Our identity is so important, knowing who we are. That is so important. <clears throat> Self-sacrifice is giving up, making the plans that I live my life by and adopting God's plan. There's some things I just got to let go of. You know, all things are lawful, Paul says, but not everything's a good idea. Okay? May not be, they may not be, and this is where we get into where we're not imposing that conviction on other people. And, and so many times when we believe that God is asking something of us, we think, well, why wouldn't he ask that of everyone else? You know? Doc, why wouldn't he ask that of you if he's asking it of me? Because you know what? That's none of my business, he tells me, right? That's, isn't that what he told the one disciple that was questioning how the other people? He says, that's none of your business. Because there's things I'm doing with Doc, Sonny here, that I'm not doing with you. And there's things I'm doing with you that I'm not doing with Doc. And, and it just isn't going to work, man, when we try to impose all that other stuff on others. 
everybody else. My personal convictions and what I believe. You know, Paul gets all into that, you know, in his dissertation in Corinthians. He talks about how that's supposed to happen. So, you know, but it needs to be a conviction because, you know, he did say that whatsoever is not a faith is sin. In other words, listen, if you're going to de declare something being something that you're doing out of conviction, well, then do that. But don't say it because it just sounds good and it sounds impressive. Because really, in the long run, you're not impressed. You know, the pe person you got to impress is Jesus, and he's just not impressed by that because he goes right past our voice and what's in our head, and he goes into our heart, and he knows where that's coming from. Right? So, embrace who you're becoming. Self-sacrifice. Pursue developing a strength. Train yourself. Be strong in the Lord, in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. And after you've put on the whole armor of God, you've done everything to equip yourself to stand, now stand up. Right? Now stand. What's our position? We stand. We don't formally put our armor down and sit down, lay down. He says, after you've done everything to stand, which is arm yourself, now just stand. Just stand in him. And, you know, Paul had some one-hit, hard-hitting one-liners. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. Okay? I mean... Okay, so expound, Paul. Well, no. Holy Spirit will expound, expound that to you, what that means to you right at the moment you're in right now. Because that could change as you grow older in him. It won't change that you have to resist the devil, but how you do it may change. Okay? Uh, encourage others to do likewise and duplicate yourself. That's the whole concept of being an apostle. You're duplicating who you are. Okay? Endure the grueling challenges of training and make the changes where necessary. They will save your life. How many have heard this? I mean, this is a phrase that they use in training the military, training the police, anybody who puts themselves in an endangered place. Trust your training. Trust your training. Trust what you were trained to do in a time like this. That's what Jesus was saying. Trust your training. Trust what you were told to do and how to respond, how to act, the mental frame you should be in at this moment. Trust that. And, and I guess if people haven't trained, what are you left to? You know, and it's not too late, folks. This is not a this is not hopefully this is not a downer message for people because it's not meant to be. It's meant to encourage you that it's never too late to get serious and make an investment in your spiritual maturity. Make an investment in that. Make it daily. Make it often. There are two things that me and wife, my wife, purposed that we were going to do for 2021 that it's going to help us to go to another level in loving God and loving people. Specifically, people who deem us as enemies and we would deem them as an enemy to us. Because, tell you the truth, I have a hard time 
with people who are just flat out evil. I do. I do. <laughs> I have a hard time with it. And Jesus, you know what Jesus told me to do? Told them to love them. Told me to love them. Bless them, he said. He said to bless them. So that's what I got to work on, right? I mean, if I want to go to another level if, of love in his love, all right? Okay. Um, but sanctify the Lord in your hearts and be ready always. Sanctify the Lord in your heart. What does sanctify mean? It means to separate, to pull it apart, make it, you know, make it something that is, is special, okay? Sanctify the Lord in your heart, okay? And, and the, why is he telling me to do that? So that I would be ready always to give an answer to those who would ask me of the hope that lies within me, okay? And, and I would su suggest this. Instead of giving somebody the de jour of the day, let them ask you questions about you because now they're inquiring. And then you can go ahead and answer. You can lead the conversation. You know, you can, you can be kind of covert in your actions. Get the conversation around to where they're asked questions about God and things like that. But if they know you're a Christian and you have a relationship, eventually they're going to ask you questions. It happen, happens to me a lot with, with, with the people that don't profess to be Christians that are friends of mine. And we should have friends that aren't Christians, okay? You should. We should have friends that aren't Christians because these are the people that God wants us to engage in. And so when you can give them um, an answer based on the question that they're asking, this becomes an opportunity for a divine appointment to become a defining moment for them where the light bulb clicks on. Oh, man, I never knew that. Wow. And you've just gained some ground. And, and you just keep, we just keep doing that. We just keep doing that. Don't get emotionally or otherwise attracted or connected to the spirit that drives this world. We are in the world, but not of it. Don't let the lifestyle of this world and its demands intimidate you. You know, the devil comes around as a, as a roaring lion. He's not a lion. He tries to imitate a lion, okay? Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Be ye holy, for I am holy. This is the most misunderstood scripture in its, in its intent that I've ever seen people quote and, and misapply its intent. Okay? It's intent for you to come out from amongst them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Be ye holy, for I am holy. That word holiness, holy means to separate yourself, to be a separated one. Okay? He is holy. God is the separated one. Okay? So, what he's telling us, why he's telling us to come out from the world and be ye separate, saith the Lord, for I am holy. 
doesn't mean holy that he can be tainted, his holiness would be tainted if something less than his holiness touched him. It's not holy in that sense. It's holy and separated. He says, Separ- be separated from the world's heart and its lifestyle so that you can be used and separated unto God so that you can be used to minister to them through a kingdom and a heaven and a, and a heaven's perspective. We are so worried. We, we, we taught that in a sense that if you got too close to the world, they would rub off on you. Well, what does that tell us? What are we telling ourselves if we have that kind of theology? What is that telling me? It's telling me that they have a greater ability to roll off on me than I have on them. Now, in some cases, that could be true. If you're not in a place of maturity and in the right frame to hold fast to your convictions and say, no, not going there, that's crossing the line, I can't go there. Okay, so we do have to, you know, our engagement with the world, we do have to create a a line that we are not going to cross, which is called compromise or hypocrisy. However, to be holy is so that you can become impactful to the people you're trying to reach. You're connected to them so you can at least know where they're coming from. Well, in a general sense, you know where they're coming from, but you'll know what is important to them, how they're living their life, what lens they're seeing their life through, how they evaluate things, the whole nine yards. So you can begin to speak to that as they would ask questions. All right, we're wrapping this thing up here. Okay. Here's a scripture in Luke where... Where God, where, where, where Jesus is teaching on end times, and he just throws his statement out there in the midst of all his dissertation. Remember Lot's wife. All right, if you know the story of Lot's wife, I'm in here know the story of Lot's wife. Okay? Okay. What's the identifying mark of Lot's wife? What did she, she do say or didn't do, do say? She looked bad. Right? Everybody, I mean, that's pretty simple, right? If you know the little story of Lot's wife, her demise was she looked bad. She looked over her shoulder. Jesus said this in his (coughs) dissertation to (coughs) a young man that came to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Okay? That's a nice, very nice thought. It's very, very um, commendable thought that you want to do that. But uh, Jesus, going past the head, going into the heart, knew where the heart was. So he posed this. Foxes have dens and places to stay, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Can you get involved in that? Uh, Another one came to him. And it never tells us what these people did. He just laid that out to this guy. Another guy comes by says the same thing. He says, basically, 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 
okay, stop right here, follow me, let's go. He says, whoa, 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 wait a minute, I've got to go home and bury my father. It doesn't tell you that his father was dead. Jesus says, let me go home and make sure that I can do that, and then I'll come and follow you. Never says the guy what the guy did. The third one says the same thing. And he says, well, do the same thing. Come follow me. And the guy basically said, i got to go take care of the affairs of the house. He says, listen, no man having after putting his hand to the plow turns around and looks back. In other words, once you start plowing the field, you, a farmer will never turn around. He'll never look back. Because the minute, it, I mean, if he's, I could be on a tractor, but specifically in plowing in those times with a team of oxen or, a, a, you know, an other a burden animals, uh, he would not take his eyes off of where he was plowing. Because the minute he turns around, that thing could go everywhere. You can't plow a straight and narrow, which is, he told us, that the life to righteousness is on the road, is on the straight and narrow road, okay? And so in order to plow that straight line, you've got to keep looking forward. You cannot look back. In other words, it goes back into a little bit of the identity thing. You're not living in the past. The past is behind you. As far as the east is from the west is your past with God, the distance. He doesn't look at you based on what you did in the past, even if it's yesterday. Today's a new day. The Bible tells us that his mercies are what? How often? Every morning. Guess what? You and I get a redo every morning. We get a redo every morning. Do you know why? Because he isn't looking at the things that you have done. Okay? He's looking at the condition of your heart. And even when he says, by your fruits, you will know them, in other words, by the things that people do and the deeds that they do, he looks beyond the actual action, and he looks into the heart, and he says, is this coming from a heart that really wants to do that? Or is this coming from a heart that is struggling at this moment, that is really trying to do, but just fell prey to the temptation of the moment? And who in here can judge a person's heart and motivation? We can't. And when it really gets down to it, it's that person's issue. They really, they really have to deal with that. It's not, it is my, but it's not my responsibility. It's, it's mine to be the best representative of Jesus I can be towards them, but it is their responsibility to get their alignment right. We can't get people's alignment right for them. They have to do that. That's why we call it a relationship. That's why each one of us is called in the scriptures. It tells us that each one of us should work out our own salvation with reverence, with reverence, and with really a place of awe before God. You know, I know the scripture says with fear and trembling, but it doesn't mean it in the negative sense of the word. It means an awe and reverence before God. Okay, let's wrap this thing up here.
No one understand the rules of the game and navigate the, through them wisely. Okay? Be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. Know that you will sometimes engage yourself with wolves in sheep's clothing. And understand that the spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. Okay? The spirit of Antichrist is already in the world. You are going to be engaged at times in your life with wolves in sheep's clothing. And you will need to be as wise as serpents and harmless as doves. We learn obedience through the things we suffer, and they are some of the greatest learning moments in our life. If Jesus did that, he, it says in the book of Hebrews that Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. Okay? The man, the human, the human being Christ Jesus learned things that the human being, Christ Jesus, suffered while he lived as a human being on the face of the earth. We do the same. Some of the most painful times have been some of the hardest lessons we had to learn. Okay? But we did learn. I think we all have. You mature not only in life, ministry, and faith through remaining true to what you believe, but it also will impact those who you're trying to reach. Fruit and light bearers, as I said already, will be persecutors. Okay? Compromising is not being relevant. Okay? When you compromise, you're not being relevant. You're compromising. Okay? It is when we look, it is when no one is looking over your shoulder or watching you that counts. God is always working in our lives to bring us to maturity and character because pressure, tension, and instability of times exposes it. It doesn't produce it in us. It exposes what's already in us. It's what you're doing it's what you and I are doing when nobody's looking that develops character. I'm going to give you a good case in point. I was challenged with that this morning. This morning. I, I guess, you know, the economic, what do they call it, the economic stimulus things went out, okay? They're not, they're not checks, they're in a little debit card now. I, I guess they said, well, that's how I got mine, okay? Me and my wife got our stimulus card, like, the beginning of the week. We, I took care of all that. We cashed it. Guess what I found in my mailbox this morning? I got another check. Got another card? Yeah, yeah. Everybody's waiting. Hey, yeah. I called a buddy of mine. He says, you got mine. I got everybody's here, right? <laughs> and, and guess what? It was made out just to my, huh? What was it? What's that? No, never happened. Didn't vote twice. Didn't vote twice. Voted one time. But but it but it came to, in my wife's name only. The first one came in mine and my wife's name. So so you know how many people told me just cash it? You know how many people told me just cash it? Huh? I ain't gonna tell you how many people told me just cash it. I'm going to tell you something, though. It's what you do 
when nobody's looking, that counts. That develops the character so that when you are challenged opening, it's automatic how you're going to live. You don't know how many Christians over the years of leading churches I've had people come up and say, I just got a blessing in the Lord, and they, try, and they tell me this as a testimony, and I, just told, I turn around and tell them, hey, listen, I don't want to burst your bubble, but you just stole from that person. You just stole it. That wasn't a blessing. You just stole it from them. They're dancing a jig. Oh, I got blessed with this. I got blessed. You didn't get blessed. Now, it would have been a blessing if you'd have told them you gave me too much product or you gave me too much money back. And they said, oh, don't worry about it. Forget it. Then that's a blessing. Okay? But up until that point, you just stole it. <laughs> oh, man, it didn't. Hey, they weren't my friend. <laughs> they weren't my friend after that too long. But you have to, you know, the thing is, if you, I, I, you know, I, I, if I can recall some of those incidents, I didn't do it in a condemning way. I, I tried to do it in the most loving way I could. Try to show them that, listen, you know, you've got to be able to discern what is a blessing of God and what could be a learning moment for you to develop character. Right? Now, I didn't tell you that so that, once again, I could tout my horn, but I can only use my life as an example. I don't have your life for the example. I would use some that I would do. And there are people that I know of that, that man, I think of today. I still think of people today that I call my heroes. Because these were people who weathered the storm in faith and still held their hand up high till the day they took their last breath and didn't get what they were looking for at that moment. But they never would lower their hand and accuse God and blame God for anything. And I'm telling you, I had one of those, I still remember one of those when I was a young Christian just newly saved in the first year I got saved. I still remember that. It's embedded in my brain. And I could, I could go on and rehearse a lot of other people who I consider heroes because of, 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 of just the character that they possessed in the midst of, of their life and how they gave up. They gave up their whole life for somebody. You know, no greater love had any man than he give his life for a friend. It doesn't mean that you're just going to die. You're going to you're going to jump in front of a 45 that somebody has at their head and you're going to take their bullets from No. It is laying down your life that you set your whole life aside and all your dreams and all that you have for, and I think of one guy right now, him and his wife, they did it for their only son. They changed their whole life so that their son could have a better life. They gave up everything that they worked hard for just for their son so that he could have a better existence. Because things weren't, you know, his, their son wasn't being, at that moment, healed of, of the things that were, that he needed to be freed from in order for them to continue living where they were at and, and existing where they were at. And I mean, it could go on and on and on. It's what you do in the moments when nobody's looking. We can maintain joy, we can maintain our joy knowing that God is with us, guarding us in the midst of all this that's going on in our training and maturity. 
We can count it as, I'm telling you what, I'm, I, I, I am ending right now because I am a man of my word. I'm ending right now. I said I was going to end. I'm ending right now, okay, with this last statement. Okay. If there was anybody, if there was anybody who could tell you to count it all joy in divers trials, tribulations, and temptations, it was Peter. It was Peter to count it all joy. And where the joy came from was the fact that he majorly, majorly blew it. He blew it big time. He found forgiveness. And I'm going to put it in my words and the way I understand the whole scenario. And sometimes you kind of, kind of, kind of like put yourself there and see how this whole dialogue's going on. And I, I can imagine that when, when he found out and it, and, it, and it entered into his heart that Jesus did not hold anything against him for what he did. It was the difference. It was the difference. It was the difference maker that kept him from doing what Judas did. Going and hanging himself and becoming one of the greatest apostles to ever live. That was the difference maker. And, and you don't ever know a decision you make, a choice that you make in your life towards God in a situation could ever be the difference maker in your life that puts your life over the top. Or it, if you didn't make that, would have eventually buried you. And I could think of a few times of decisions in my life that if I didn't go the way towards God, it would have buried me. It would have buried me. You and I do not realize the power of our choices, what they do in our life. God will never take that away from us, the power of choice. He will do everything to get you from running into that door with your face. But if you're bent on running into that door with your face, you'll do it. You'll do it. We'll, you'll, and some people will say, well, God, at the last minute, will just supernaturally bring a wind and blow the door open so I don't hit my face. Don't count on it. Don't really count on that. That's presumptuous. If that needs to be done to somebody who's in complete ignorance, it will be done. But that won't be, that won't be the rule. It may be the far exception. It may be the far exception. Let's pray. Stand with me, will you? Hallelujah. Jesus, you're good. Six o'clock. I don't know if I ran over time or what, but anyway. Hallelujah. I apologize if I did. Thank you, Father.
And so, Father, we're, we're, we're standing in your presence, Jesus, and we're saying, Lord, we, we are, Lord, we are like just poured out before you, Father. We're like that alabaster box that, that Liz was talking about, that when we allow ourselves to be poured out in its sincerity and in its... Um, in its wholeness and its pureness. It's like that sweet-smelling savor of an alabaster box that was broken. And it's the greatest smell that God loves to see because he knows it anyway, but he loves it when we willfully and out of our will acknowledge the things that we're pouring out to him. It lets us know that we're not living in denial. It's not like we're wanting to make excuse in a, in, in, for our lives but we want to be poured out before you, Father. We're saying, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come and continue to fill us. Continue to work, you know, work your massaging hands of heaven, of the Godhead, upon our hearts of flesh. And keep it massaged, Father, so that it is pumping, Lord, Father, continually pumping the life-giving flow of heaven's blood, which is the blood of the everlasting Lamb of God that was slain for our foundation, from the foundation of the earth for our, for our sin and for our relationship with you to be mended. That you're massaging it, Father. And really, you're, you're Lord, developing us into a real strong army, Father, in doing that, Lord. And, and Father, realizing that these are very, very uncomfortable times spiritually for us, Father. But nonetheless, we are going to purpose in our heart to see you in the midst of all of this and to hear you in the midst of this. And we're going to, Lord, respond to you in the midst of this, Father God. Because we are, we are of the family of the unashamed. We belong to a family that is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because we not only know, but we have experienced it to be the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. And that, Father, your heart's intent is that, Father, you want and are willing that none should perish, but that everyone would come to a change of mind as it pertains to God. In Jesus' name, Father, bless the people here today. Let them leave with something that just leaped in their heart, Father, that you brought revelation to them that they can go home and meditate on, they can search it out, and it becomes a strong founding a pillar, foundational pillar in their life, Father. And they'll have it for life, Father. They'll have it for life in Jesus' name. Amen.